This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 18th, 2010. Alive in my choices. Well, good morning, Connection Church. You know, that's the most, you're the, the alivest audio, uh, group as far this morning. Don't tell the other ones that, but that's, uh, of course it is 1130, you know, we ought, we, ought, we ought to be awake, you know. I'm Alan Jones, and uh, along with my wife, oh, she's not here, I'm sorry. Uh, she's away on a retreat weekend, uh, serving on a retreat weekend, but we uh, have the opportunity to, to co-pastor this wonderful congregation, and you know, it's funny how God works, because He lets us do that even though we're both sinners. But, but we've been saved out of that sinful life, be thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, thanks for the day. Thanks for this uh, uh, gathering, opportunity to gather with your people as we praise you and celebrate. I thank you for this time we can share in your word. I, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to your spirit. And through this time together, we would realize change and transformation and then that we would, either for the first time or once again, uh, find new life in Christ. It's in His name and in Your Holy Spirit we pray, and all Connection Church said, Amen. When I think back um, to growing up and everything, um, I, I don't ever remember not knowing Jesus. I, I don't ever remember not uh, having church as part of my life. Um, um, we uh, went to the same church the whole time I grew up. Uh, in fact, they told me when I was a little guy, I mean really little, that the pastor was my buddy, you know, uh, Reverend Ogborn, I think his name was. And then when he left at four years old, my buddy left. But we got a new pastor. In fact, he had several kids. One was my age, and he was one of my best friends growing up. So, uh, you know, I used to spend a lot of time at his house and church and church and uh, was always part of my life. But not just church, but Jesus. I mean, I knew who Jesus was from an early age. Now, granted, there were some times when I didn't go to church as much as I should like that when I finally moved on campus when I was a senior and then the next year in graduate school and even the first couple of years we were married before we had kids, we kind of drifted a little bit. But even, even then, we, we um, I and Carrie also, you know, uh, knew what church was. It was, and Christ was still part of our life. We still considered ourselves Christian. We still had a relationship with Jesus, even at those times when we may have not been attending church as uh, frequently as uh, would be considered, uh, you know, regular attendance. Um, you know, it's funny, though, when looking back, even though church and Christ were always part of my life, looking back, there are many, 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 far too many times, more than I'd like to remember, more than I'm going to go into any gory details with you this morning, when, when what I said and what I did certainly uh, didn't reflect a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Um, Times when if I'd been put on trial, like we were just talking a few minutes ago, if I'd been put on trial for being a Christian, hmm, I, I wonder if there would have been enough evidence to convict me. Um, you know, there's times when I, uh, I didn't do the things I should have done, I, uh, but did the things I shouldn't have done. <laughs> I didn't say things I should have said, did say things I certainly shouldn't have said. And I, I don't think I ever out and out denied Jesus the way Peter did, you know, when he says, I don't know the man. I, I don't think I've ever said, I don't know Jesus, but, you know, in what I've said and what I've done at times, it certainly was a denial of my Lord and Savior. 
Maybe you've been there yourself. I don't know. Maybe, like me, you'd like to think that Jesus is alive in you, and you hope that others see Jesus when they see you, through you. And yet, maybe there are times, maybe there have been times, maybe there are times even now when it's, um, it's, it's hard to believe He's alive, hard to believe He's living in you because of maybe some of the choices you at times make, just like me. Choices I've made, the choices that you've made that that are contrary to this idea of Jesus being alive in us, well, it's nothing new. (laughs) It's been going on since, well, since Jesus himself lived. Paul addresses this in his letter to the church at Colossae. As we shared last week, Paul Paul didn't um, plant that church. It wasn't one of the churches that he planted in an area that is now part of Turkey. Port of Turkey, but apparently the leader of that church um, contacted Paul, probably wrote him a letter or whatever, when Paul was in prison in Rome, and, and asked for Paul's help. It seems that the people there were uh, maybe following some heresies, some wrong ideas. They, they weren't being faithful to what they should have been faithful to, and uh, this letter that Paul writes to the church at Colossae is an attempt to kind of get them back on target. Now, last week, we looked at the first part of this chapter 3 of the book of Colossians, and, and, and we shared the part of the letter where Paul told the people there that their old life was dead, but their new life, their real life, is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so, and, and then he goes on in what we're going to share this morning, you know, your old life is gone, your, your new life is in Christ, and then this is what he says, he says, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of, well, that's interesting. He doesn't say that way of life. He says killing off everything uh, connected with that way of death. In other words, the way you used to live wasn't really living at all, was it? It was your way of death. Killing off all that stuff, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. <laughs> but now you know better. <laughs> so make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Wow. So, if we're serious about living this new resurrection life, with Christ, if Christ is alive in you, alive in me, alive in us, then we need to act like it's what he told us last week. And then how do we act like it? Well, that's what he tells us here. Basically, by the choices we make. By killing off all those things associated with that way of death, as he put it. Living the old way was killing us, in effect, is what he's saying. It's the new way of life that gives us life. We're to kill off everything associated with that old way, that way of death. Some of those things include promiscuity, impurity, lust. (laughs) Things haven't changed a whole lot in 2,000 years, have they? Hadn't changed much at all. 
Paul goes on to tell the people that living in Christ, when, when Christ lives in us, we no longer should be just doing whatever we feel like doing when we feel like doing it. We need to quit grabbing or chasing after whatever it is that makes us feel good. That's what we like to do, isn't it? You know, if it feels good, do it. But the said, nah. Our lives are no longer shaped by things and feelings. That's an interesting combo, isn't it? By things, by stuff, and by feelings. They're now going to be shaped by God, Christ. Yeah. If it feels good, do it. It's out the door. If God wants you to do it, do it. If what Jesus would have you do, if it's what Jesus would have you do, do it. (laughs) If it reflects that Jesus is alive in you, then do it. Otherwise, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Paul then tells the Colossians, and in so doing, he tells us to let go of the old stuff that you used to do. But the new you, the Jesus-centered you, the Jesus is alive in you, you, going to act a different way. Amen? Amen. You know, as Paul says here, we used to be ignorant. We used to not know any different. We didn't know any better. Oh, well, that's not the case anymore, right? We can't claim ignorance now because we do know better. We have been told. Yeah. And so now that we do know better, we need to make better choices. Yeah. We need to quit choosing what we used to choose. Things like showing a bad temper, being irritable and mean, having a foul mouth. Hmm. I was praying this. I was thinking, you know, like if I'm out, out there and in, in outside these walls, out there in the real world, and, and, and I'd say I'm in my car and somebody does that and I yell at them. Of course, that would never happen, of course. But let's just say, imagine it. Uh, go crazy and imagine it. And that person happens to know, oh, that's Alan Jones. He's the pastor at Connection Church. And look how that guy's acting. What kind of a pastor is he? And what kind of a church is that? That sure doesn't look like the Jesus I heard about, does it? Of course, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be, you know, good. Well, wait a minute. We're all ministers of Christ. (laughs) So when we're all in the car, they might say, oh, that's a minister out there at Connection Church. That might have your name attached to it. Wow. Now we're all in trouble. You know, the thing is, if Jesus is truly in us, if Jesus is alive, and we claim that, don't we? I mean, I'm wearing this little bracelet. If you're going to act like that, you better take the bracelet off. How are you acting? Oh, well, Jesus is alive in me. Really? Really? Sure didn't look like it with what you just did, Alan. You know, if he's truly alive in us, there should be some evidence in the choices we make. Amen? There should be. There should be some evidence in what we say, what we choose to say, and what we choose to do. It should, it should be a little different than it was before we knew Christ. It should. Paul goes on, uh, chapter uh, 3, verses 9 through 11. This is the message translated by Eugene Peterson. I, I, I love a lot of it, but I love the way he's translated this section, I, this whole thing. This is just great. 
9 through 11. Here's what he says. He says, hey, don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. Boy, that's a designer label, isn't it? Yeah. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, inside or outside, and uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, mean nothing. See, those are some of the things apparently in that church that were the problems. You know, the Jew, uh, uh, non-Jew, the religious... Apparently, that's what some of the problems... Of course, we don't have any stuff like that in our churches today, do we? We never have unrest or problems or people not getting along in church, do we? It's aren't we so glad that this... Yeah, right. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years, have they? We might not have these same little categories, but we still have undercurrents of unrest, don't we? We still have little battly things because we're human. But here's what he says. He says, <clears throat> that stuff... All that stuff means nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by what? One, one word. It's defined by Christ. That's how we're all defined. In Christ. And then it says, everyone is included in Christ. Yeah. I, I really <clears throat> um, love this section. First of all, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> Don't lie to one another. And so he's telling the church, apparently there was a lot of falsehoods going on there. Be honest, be real with those around you, tell the truth. You know, the thing is, if Jesus is truly alive in us, if we really want him to live in us, shouldn't we be telling the truth if we're going to be a witness for Christ? I mean, isn't that what a witness really means? We had the little court thing up here before. Um, in, in a court of law, if you're going to be a witness, don't you say, I swear to tell the the whole and nothing but the, and here's the clincher, so help me, God. And you know, I've been in court recently, not, not my charge. I was there with somebody else. This time, uh, this time. And, 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 um, and, and they still, you know, even the separated church and stage, so help me. You, wow. Did you promise to tell the truth? That's what witnesses do. That's what witness means. It means I'm going to tell the truth as I know it. So if we're going to be a witness for Christ, we need to tell the truth. Don't be a liar. Don't lie to those around you. And then Paul goes on to use this really cool analogy. Of course, I, love, I think the Scripture is just full of cool analogies. But this one's really cool. He compares leaving the old life behind to stripping off clothing that we used to wear. Clothing that no longer fits. Clothing that we need to be rid of um, uh, and get rid of so much that we're not just going to throw it away. We've got to burn it to get rid of it. Because if we burn it, if we truly burn it, it's gone, right? Can you, can you, if we really fully incinerate something, can we put it back on? No. No. Can't pick it up and put it back on. Can't see if it maybe still fits. Oh, maybe it's a little more comfortable than what I'm wearing now. Not if we truly burn it. You know, and we, when we put off those old clothes, that old way of life, when we put them in the fire, we're not planning on walking around naked, are we? Hello. No. No, the thing is, here's the plan. We, we put those in the fire, and we've got our brand spanking new set of clothes sitting there waiting for us. <laughs> and uh, brand spanking new... 
It's interesting, in, in the ancient church, uh, William Barclay, a, a Bible scholar, tells us in the ancient church, and I think some churches today still might do this, when, when you're baptized, you would wear like a brand new white gown or robe, especially when you're immersed, you know, and you come up, not only the water represents dying to Christ and coming up, but the, the white robe represents that, um, that cleansing, that freedom from sin, you know. We, we do it here, not so much with the adults, but oftentimes um, if you've had a child baptized, maybe you wrap the child in a brand new white gown or a little white outfit, you know, that's that symbol, it's the same kind of symbol, you know, for that that newness, that new life. Yeah. Anyway, Paul uses this analogy of the new clothes to point out how different this new life will be, how different our life should be if we're a new person in Christ. As we read in the Scripture, every item of your new life is custom, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete, obsolete, custom made just for you with a name brand, the God name brand, wow. Our challenge then would be to make sure that we truly burned our old wardrobe, wouldn't it? Not try to salvage it to put it back on because, you know, sometimes new clothing you got to kind of get used to, maybe you wash it once or twice to make it. You know what I'm talking about. And maybe it's not quite as comfortable. Isn't it incredible how sometimes, even though the old way of doing things wasn't the best way, sometimes we'll go back because it was just comfortable and it's what we knew. And sometimes we'll put those old clothes back on, even though they were filthy and ill-fitting, because at least they, we knew how they felt and they were maybe comfortable. Can't do that if we burn them. Got to get them new ones on and break them in. (laughs) Hmm. It's tempting, though. Tempting to go back. And the thing is, we got to remember this. Even though we put on new clothes, Jesus never forces himself on us. You know, even though we, we take on Christ and we claim Christ and we say Christ is alive in me, we still have many opportunities to make bad, bad choices. And, you know, we still do sometimes, don't we? I know I do. And Christ doesn't say, Alan, from now on, I'm going to make sure you don't make any bad choices. No, it's not how it works. Um, the question we've got to ask ourselves is this. Are the choices I'm making allowing the people around me to see the risen Christ in me? Is, is Jesus alive in the choices I'm making? Well, if we start asking that every time we made a choice, things would look a little different, wouldn't they? Is, am I showing Christ when I make this choice? Our challenge is it wouldn't be a once a year, once a month, once a week, or even once a... We make choices almost by the moment, don't we? We're constant. You're making a choice right now. You're making a choice either to listen or to be doing your grocery list in your brain. I mean, you made a choice this morning to come here or to get another couple hours sleep. You know, we constantly are making choices. Constantly. The, the end of verse 11 says this, from now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone's included in Christ. I, I like the way the New International Version that translates this. It says this, it says, Christ is all and is in all. 
Christ is all and is in all. Can you say that with me? Christ is all and is in all. Christ is all and is in all. And if this is true, that Christ is all and is in all, then we need to act like it, don't we? If we really believe it. With what we say, with what we do. Not occasionally, not now and then. Around the clock. It needs to become our M.O. You know what M.O. stands for? I had to look this up. I've used M.O. and I know why now. M.O.'s uh, modus operandi. I think that's Latin. Is that Latin? Modus. There we go. Teaching moment. Modus operandi. That's why everybody just says M.O. Of course, you could say SOP, standard operating procedure. I'll give you a new one. Your W.O.L. Anybody know the W.O.L.? Way of life. There you go. Way of life. If it becomes your W-O-L, your way of life, day in, day out, 24-7, 365. Paul continues with the clothing analogy. Here's what he says. This is really cool. Verses 12 through 14. He says, so chosen by God for this new life of love. There it is. That's the life it is, this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Okay, so previously, he, he told us what our old clothes looked like, right? Lost, promiscuous, all that junky stuff, all those filthy rags. Now he's going to tell us what our new wardrobe is going to consist of. And this is what it's going to consist of. Say it with me. Um, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, disciplined. And we also need to be what? Even-tempered, content with second place, Quick to give, forgive an offense. Wow, for, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. He's starting to meddle here, isn't he? <laughs> starting to get a little pushy. He's expecting us to kind of act like Jesus here. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's a heck of an outfit, isn't it? It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Sounds like a commercial. Don't leave home without, don't live, don't even stay in the house without it. Don't be without it. Wow. Okay, so if we have this new life in Christ, if Jesus is alive and is living in me, and I've stripped off my old clothes, stripped off that old way of living, my old way of doing business, my old way of dressing, so to speak, then what am I going to wear? Well, it tells us what my clothes going to look like, and who's going to pick it out? Paul makes it pretty clear. My new wardrobe has been picked out by... Wow. I would think he'd be pretty good at picking out my wardrobe. What do you think? He knows a lot more than I do. He's carefully chosen what we're to wear when we're living this new life of love in Jesus. And our wardrobe will consist, as we said, of compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. We should be even-tempered, not always having to win. Wait a minute. Now they're really going crazy here. Not always having to win. That sounds like un-American, doesn't it? Does it mean that we don't try to win? No. But it means that if we don't, we don't go stupid. Right? Not always having to win. Not having to be first. Well, this sounds like something we've heard from Jesus before. Because he said the first will be, and the last will be, kind of one of those upside, flip it up. Jesus is always like 180 degrees from our normal way of thinking, isn't he? That's what I find. If I think of how Alan would normally approach it, then I take it 180 degrees, and that's how Jesus 
would approach it. First will be last, last will be first. We need to be able to forgive those around us, forgive as we've been forgiven by the one who lives in us. Wow. Wow, he's asking us to be like Jesus, as I said. And, and the last line, I love the way Peterson translates this. Is, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. You know, my life, I found that as I've gotten closer to Christ, because it hasn't been instantaneous, but, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's, it's not an event. It's a journey. But as I've gotten closer to Christ, I do find myself to have more compassion with those around me. I am kinder. I do find that I'm more humble. I'm more even-tempered, more able to forgive. My wardrobe has changed thanks to Jesus. I'll give you a really cool example of this. I was thinking of when we're, when we're putting this together. Carrie's away on this weekend. It's called a chrysalis weekend. It's, it's for youth. It's a great opportunity for you to get away and get closer to Christ. She's part of the team there. There's an adult version of that called Walk to Emmaus. Has anybody here been on that? Okay, you guys that haven't been on it, look at those hands that are up. Put your hands up. Talk to them about it sometime. It's a great opportunity. So go talk to somebody. Say, tell me about this Walk to Emmaus thing. It's a 72-hour retreat in which you just have a great opportunity to get away from the world and get close to Christ. It's awesome. But anyway, Carrie and I went on it back in like 87. Gosh, ancient history. We were just children at the time. Um, but went back in 87, and, and typically, let's see, I went first. They, they, you don't go on the same weekend. I went about three weeks, I think it was, before she did. Now, on this weekend, there's a point where you, you, you prayerfully consider something in your life that's just getting in the way of your relationship with God, relationship with others. And for me, it was... I hate to admit it, but I, w- I just didn't have a lot of patience with my children. I had three children at the time, Aaron, Megan, and Devin, and this was 87, so Aaron was about six. Megan was soon to be five, and Devin was soon to be uh, two, yes. And I, I wasn't, and, and so what you did is like write on a paper, and I actually nailed it to a cross to get, kind of give it to Christ, and I gave, gave up, said, I need to be more patient with my kids. Well, I came home, and, and I'm not sure it may have been that I went and Harry hadn't, Carrie hadn't went yet, or maybe I was just being my normal challenging self or whatever, but I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, I came home Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, something happened, and I frustrated Carrie in some way. She said, you know, she said to me, you know, you, you're, you're no different at all after going on that weekend other than being nicer to the kids. I hadn't told her what I hadn't told her about the cross thing. I went. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go. What do you mean I'm not? I'm just going yeah. inside. Of course, I didn't do that outside because it would have been real ugly. <laughs> inside, I'm going. Thank you. This thing works. It works. And and where was it? A matter of days. I mean, she saw a difference. That's a miracle, isn't it? I mean, that's an absolute miracle that in that short period of time, Christ could have that much of an effect and that she would see that that quickly. Unbelievable. Huh. Unbelievable. I I love that story because it's just so telling of of what happens if, if, if we try and allow Christ to to 
direct our choices, you know? It's incredible. But the challenge is this. I still have choice. And Jesus allows me to be more even-tempered, to be more patient, but he doesn't force me to be. He doesn't say, Alan, you're never going to lose your temper again, and you're never going to be impatient. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, I'm going to work with you, but you've got to work with me. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, there are days when I, unfortunately, I, I'm not sure I fully have burned up those old clothes. And sometimes I still put them on. I'm, there are days when I'm not as compassionate as, as I should be as a follower of Christ. There's days I'm, uh, I'm not as kind or as humble as I should be. I, I try. I'm, 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 I think I'm more than I used to be, but I'm still some days aren't. Days when I could be much more forgiving. Days when people would still have trouble seeing the resurrected Christ in me. And it's probably not just out in the world, probably in here too. Some days. Um, you know, days when the choices I'm making... Uh, the choice I make aren't allowing Jesus to shine through. Maybe you have some days like that still yourself. Maybe you at times are reaching back and pulling out that old wardrobe still, uh, making choices that don't allow the resurrected Christ to be truly alive in you, choices that make it so that those around you, it's hard for them to see that Jesus is resurrected if they're using you as their guide me as their guide. It's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. Wearing this new wardrobe that we've been given, it's not always easy. Choosing the new over the old, because, you know, we like, we like what's comfortable, even maybe it wasn't the best, but we like what's comfortable and what we're familiar with, even if it's not right. So we'll still pull out those ill-filling ill-fitting, ratty, old, nasty clothes, put them back on, that we wore before we knew who Christ was. It's not easy making the good choices that Jesus offers us. But you know, it is possible, isn't it? It's not always easy, but it's possible because with God, all things are possible. Not easy, but possible. Through prayer, constant prayer <laughs> through discipline and, and through being aware of the choices we make and the effect those choices have. Because as we said earlier, we're constantly making choices. Constantly. You know, by not allowing our emotions to constantly control us, but allowing our brains to kick in a little bit. And to focus on this new life in Christ and what that means. And above all, we need to remember to daily, first thing, to put on love. And to wear it throughout the day. Wow. Not the love that's based on emotions. You know, that roller coaster love. But a love that's based on a decision that says no matter what, I'm going to love those around me. I'm going to love Christ and I'm going to try my best to show it in all that I do. To love Jesus shows us. It's, the Greek word, as we shared before, is agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape love, which means an unconditional love, the unconditional love that God shows for us, you know? It's the love with God. We can do nothing to get God to love us anymore, and there's nothing we can do to have Him love us any less. His love for us is 
Well, it's unimaginable. That's agape love. It's a love that doesn't change as our feelings change. You know, some days you have somebody you're close to and you go, hmm, I just don't like you today. That, may, that happens. But I, you could say, but I still love you today. It's a love that's steady, solid, uncompromising love that's always there. As Peterson translates here, it's the all-purpose garment that we should put on every morning and be wearing all day. We should never be without it. Can, can you imagine what your day would be like? Just, just imagine what your day would be like if when you got up in the morning and you looked in your closet to choose what you're going to wear for the day, or if you pull it out the night before, if the night before you know, before you pull out what you're actually going to wear, if before that you consistently picked out love and put that on first. And, 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 and if we tried our best to wear that throughout the day, good day or bad, you know, it's easy to, to love when it's a good day. Come on. That's no challenge. Anybody can do that. People don't know Jesus do that. The challenge is when you're having the worst day of your life to somehow to still be wearing love. And when I say you, I mean in we, because I'm here. I'm, this is my challenge as well. You know, if throughout the day we wore love, if we tried to love those around us the way Jesus loves us, if we made choices that reflected this Jesus love in us, choices that would cause other people to realize that we're different, that we aren't doing business as usual, as usual that something or someone is alive in us, they go, Something, something about you is different. You don't react like normal people do to this situation. Wouldn't it be cool if people could say that about you? In other words, that they would see Christ in you. Can you imagine if people would constantly be seeing the living Christ in you and me in the choices that we consistently make? If, and if that were to happen, and it can, what that really would mean is, wouldn't it, that that we're starting to see heaven on earth. Isn't that what that means? If, if people are seeing Christ in us and we're treating them as Christ, we're starting to see this, this kingdom on earth, heaven on earth. Of course, that was God's plan when he brought Christ down, wasn't it? That's literally heaven on earth, Christ being here with us. Heaven on earth. Funny. Funny when you think about it. We don't have to go there. It can come here, right here, and right now. Right now, you, me, Jesus, alive in us, alive in our choices. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow. We need your help, because sometimes we make some pretty bad choices. Please help us to... Put those new clothes on and really fire up the old ones. Please help us to get rid of that old person, take on the new that you offer. Please help us to be more patient, more kind, more compassionate, more loving. Please help us to take in the, out of that closet that garment of love first thing and to never be without it. Please help us to realize that our choices aren't once in a while or here and there, but constantly throughout the day. Please. Please help it so that others can see Christ 
through the choices we make. We ask these things in His name and the power of your Holy Spirit. And All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.